this sashin, this unified heart-mind is fully present, fully manifested right here now. There is no other unified heart-mind. If we say it differently, we could say this right here now is the fully manifested Buddha nature. If we use such words, nowhere else. For this reason, we do Zazen, wherein the body doesn't have to do any particular thing. Mind, heart, does not think, do any particular thing. This is our Zazen. This right here is the full presencing, full presence of this true nature, this Buddha nature. There is no other time where it has to arrive. Because this is so, being joyous zazen, zazeni, doesn't require anything extra or special other than being as you are. Experiencing right now. It doesn't require our body-mind, nor the body-mind of others to be a particular way. Saying this, nevertheless, doesn't hinder us from taking care of this moment as skillfully appropriate. Includes experiencing all sorts of emotion thoughts arising about should be and should not be. This is our zazening of being at peace as this universe moment, as this universal moment. Even being at peace with not being peaceful, with other others not being peaceful as we believe they need to be, should be. This is our moment of living this universe. As I said every day I would 
add a quote or include a quote from Joko. So, Joko says, life is a series of endless disappointments. And it's wonderful just because it doesn't give us what we want. Instead of fighting and struggling with disappointment, the key is to rest willingly in it. See, it's not so far what I've been saying. She says, this may sound forbidding, yet the people who endlessly practice are the ones who eventually know what joy is. I'm not talking about endless happiness. There's no such thing, she says, but joy. Nevertheless, Adi doesn't have to do any particular thing. Mind doesn't have to think any particular thing. Universe doesn't have to be any particular thing. So it's bodies as any, minds as any, universe as any. With nothing to fix, no need to go looking for fixing, no need to go looking for not okay. And at the same time, we don't hold to beliefs of should be, should not be. Then, being this undefilable moment, we can, you can appropriately fix body as needed. Fix mind. Fix universe with no fixing. Improve the perfection as is. See, improving this perfection, perfection, you can fix, should be, fix, should not be, in all the myriad forms that this clinging arises, or as Joko uses, this fighting and struggling with disappointment arises. In all the ways this suffering hinders and blinds us, What we notice is sometimes we, saw, we seem to want to make special truths and rules and to hold on to beliefs, thoughts, bodily states about how our life should be, should not be, whether it's mine or others. Right here is our practice opportunity. Do we notice when this arises, whether in Zazen or in our daily life? Can we notice and embody this physically, emotionally, mentally, all the ways that we hold? Or can we at least notice the consequences of not doing that, of believing and holding on to that. See? Zazen, being present, experiencing, is 
allows us to sense when this holding, believing arises and when our reactions to this, of this arise. All sorts. And this is our practice of being completely here as is this unified mind. What do we do? What do we not do when we continue to believe this, to hold this? What's the results in our life, in the life of others? If we believe that this kind of thought, belief, action, reaction is going to make us safe, make us okay, we sometimes even turn it into a truth of some sort. A truth that these likes and dislikes will make my life or maybe the life of everyone else that I'm with the way I want it to be. Unfortunately, both our own experience, if we look closely, and what the Buddhas and ancestors all teach is that holding on to life being a certain way guarantees, ensures that suffering, unsatisfactoriness for me, for others, will arise in this life of ongoing changing. This life right here is exactly, completely this being time This ongoing flowing, ongoing changing can't be otherwise. And this is exactly this Buddha nature. Not so easy to grasp. So maybe I'll enlist Dogen to help maybe confuse us and maybe clarify for us. So Dogen has a wonderful chapter called Uji, being time. Not so easy, but there's some nice pieces that I want to bring up from that. And maybe then we can clarify. I won't cover the whole thing. Couldn't do it in the whole, if I spoke about it every day in Sashin. Just a little few words of Dogen's to help us. Not a thing in the entire universe is missing from present time. Not a thing in the entire universe is missing from present time. 
not a thing. Or, or another way of translating that, Dogen. And some of you might know I like to look at two or three translations because each of the different ways of expressing his 13th century Japanese or Chinese Japanese into English, each of offers us a slightly different facet. Another translation goes, all existences, all phenomena are contained in the ever-recurring presence of time. All phenomena, all existence. See, this being time, even physicists in modern days are very clear that being and time are one thing and each thing has its own particular being time. There is no time as such, even though we use it as a fiction and it works sometime. But the truth in the universe on the level of looking deeply, we see that each particular thing has its own being time and time doesn't arise except with being and being arises with this particular time. If I say it Another way, in the midst of this ongoing changing that is exactly, as the sixth ancestor says, Buddha nature, exactly this Buddha nature, I shouldn't say this Buddha nature, exactly Buddha nature, it's the Buddha nature fully manifested right here, right now. So, Dogen brings up a case between several ancestors. I'll use the Chinese, no, the Japanese names just because it's easier. Sekito Kisen sent his disciple Yakusan, who hadn't quite clarified this matter, to Basa or Matsu, Matsu Zenji. So he asked about the meaning of Bodhidharma's coming from the West. He said, despite I, uh, my understanding, I still am not clear. So, Matsu said, sometimes I have him raise his eyebrows and blink, being time. Sometimes I don't have him raise his eyebrows and blink, being time. Sometimes have him raise his eyebrows and blink is right, being time. Sometimes have him raise his eyebrows and blink is not right, being time. 
being time is Uji. And that's the title of this fascicle of Dogen. Hearing these words, Yakusan had great awakening. Great awakening. What in these words is there? What is this being time that's been clarified? Elsewhere, earlier Dogen says, if you believe that time passes, you have not understood that time never arrives, never leaves. And yet, I've said, sixth ancestors, ongoing changing, exactly Buddha nature. This being time, being time is exactly this moment, exactly what enables us to live Zazen, to live our life to manifest exactly what, who we are. See? Because being time is right here. This right here as is, is being time, the whole of who we are, the whole of what we encounter. The whole of what we encounter. And It's the whole of what we do when we do Zazen. When we do Zazen. It's the whole of what we do when the body doesn't do anything and the mind does not think anything. See, that's what Joko's talking about when she says that key is to rest willingly in this, in it. Then we can know what this joyous zazening is. We could know exactly what we are. So Dogen, in clarifying this being time, brings up two other interesting phrases that maybe will clarify further for us, so at least give us a way to delve a little deeper into this, the way it is, which is what our Zazen is, is entering and embracing the way it is as it or we could use fancier names but so Dogen quotes another ancestor who says sometimes there is an understanding but no expression being time Sometimes there's expression, but no understanding, being time. Sometimes there is understanding as well as expression, being time. 
sometimes there is neither understanding nor expression. Being time. Having cited these elders, Dogen then adds his own expression. There is half understanding, half expression. That is being time. Even if there's not half understanding, not half expression, that is being time. He says you must question and practice in this way. Teaching him to raise his eyebrows, and it says him and his, and it could just as well say her and hers. This is the particular translation, so I am not going to change it at this time. But please don't get caught in that. It simply reflects the translator and probably the attempt to stick to what literally Dogen said, but teach or what Matsu Basso said. Dogen continues, teaching him to raise his eyebrows and blink, half being time. Teaching him to raise his eyebrows and blink, mistaken being time. Not teaching him to raise his eyebrows and blink, half being time. Not teaching him to raise his eyebrows and blink, mistaken being time. Whether coming or going, whether there is or there is not, you must understand this time of being time, which is, I'll say, exactly your life, exactly your zazen, exactly your zazening in the midst of even shoulds and should nots and likes and dislikes and unsatisfied and satisfied. See, even in the midst of not joy, even in the midst of not being willing to be what's forbidding even in the midst of struggling with disappointment. Right there, being time. Right there, the full timeliness, if I say it, fully manifested exactly this unified heart-mind that we are. So, I've spoken enough, we'll stop now and maybe we can clarify this somewhat further in discussion. I will stop. Maybe you have something you want to bring up.
I'm not thoroughly confused, but Good. pretty close to it. Um, I guess where I went in taking the words in is, is it pointing to like this eternal <laughs> substrate that we put time on it? I wouldn't say eternal. I would say that right now, they're saying it's eternal makes it into something that was and will be. See, if we think, Dogen says it specifically, so let me just quote him. He says, if you believe that time only passes, you have not understood that time never arrives, never leaves. This is Inuji. In Genjo Koan, he talks about it more. See, we if we believe that this is the same me that was yesterday and the day before, I'm in trouble. If we hold on to our thoughts and emotions on that basis, I make more trouble. And I make more trouble for others. That's why... We can do Gatha of Atonement right now. Otherwise, we hold on to harms I did and harms others did to me and create suffering and perpetuate it because we believe our thoughts rather than being fully as we are, which includes thoughts arising, passing, but not the truth of the thoughts as referring to an so-called past and as being a basis for blaming and reactions. See? So, um, I'm trying to follow. Um, so, is it more pointing to um, not the body, but that which is aware in the body, that there's no time? It's the body and that which is aware, which isn't two separate things. But the body falls away in time. If we say it that way, then the mind falls away in time in that sense. And yet, what's the mind? What's the body? See? If we say it another way, we could say this who we are, even this so-called body-mind, is not born, doesn't die. But as soon as we call it body and mind, then we miss who we are. We use the word mind in the, as a substitute for thought or thinking process and say there's two different things, and then we're in trouble. Now, of course, this body-mind is just a corpse to be. That's all it is. And yet it's right now fully being time manifesting the universe, if I say it in such a way. But if we get caught in the specific conditions and beliefs about the conditions and then build on that with should and should not, 
and likes and dislikes and all sorts of disappointments because we have appointments about how it should be, then we create suffering or we create, we cling, if I use more traditional Buddhist term, and the clinging creates suffering, guarantees unsatisfactoriness and maybe even harming. So, fully embodying this as it is now is embodying being time now. Then you don't have to try to figure out anything further. That's what she's Joko's talking about is to rest willingly in this moment as is. And that is being time. If you say so, I'll take it that way. <laughs> it's really... it, that is being time. As long as we don't get stuck in being time, being a thing. See? That's why Dogen goes back and forth so we don't get trapped into one idea or another. So even as we, he says it, if we hold on to that, then we make it into something more than what it is. Then we make our life and joy into a particular form and condition. And given that this is ongoing changing, or if I use a bigger word, impermanent. But. So, in Joko's words about happiness and joy, is happiness is uh, being, not being in time. Joy, you can be struggling with disappointment but if you're really present in the willingness to be there, then there can be joy in that. That, that is joyousness. That's what I said, joyous sazening, when I use uh, that expression. Yeah. So that is in the willingness to be in your life as it is. It's yes. That, yeah. Okay, thank you. That, that's Happy tends to be sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm not happy. I'm happy if I have this, I'm not happy if I don't have that or whatever other um, and those are fine too not happy being time not having being time having fully fully being time see and it's not so called mine versus so called yours I guess I just really didn't get the part about the eyebrows being raised. And that, that's just an expression of saying, I do this, I don't do this. Oh. If you want to say eyebrows, say eyebrows. Someone else says, I think somewhere he says, eyebrows raised is the mountains and rivers raised. Um, ah, there it is. 
I knew it was, because eyebrows and eyes are mountains and oceans, says Dogen, because mountains and ocean are eyebrows and eyes. Therefore, the teaching to have him raise his eyebrows is to have him see the mountain. The teaching to have him blink is to have him find the ocean. Inside, outside is a category that we have, but if we face the ocean, we and the ocean are in two. When we meet the mountain, we and the mountain encounter each other. The mountain sees us, we see the mountain. Not as words, but as the experiencing of what's truly so, so that we don't get caught in the either-or subject-object way that we want to translate the world into. Because translating ourself and the world into those terms is translating ourself into terms and limiting ourselves in terms that are going to guarantee that we suffer. Guarantee that we get caught up in what we don't have or what we should have or what we shouldn't have or we can go on from there. That's why it's so important when those arise as believed, held to, whether in our formal zazen or throughout our life, that when we notice those, when we notice our clinging to those, that's when a particular practice effort is necessary to, in a sense, to open this, to improve the perfection that we are, because we are covering over who we are in believing that. Even though it's not so, for us it seems so, because we believe it and we suffer, or worse, we do things to others based on it. Or we do things to ourselves. That's. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yes. yes uh, so, um, about um, Joko's talk today uh, uh, that you read. Um, yes. And, you know, the. So she's talking about resting in what's there. Um, and um, you talked about how, at one point you said something about how will we, we hold on to, you know, thinking we're the same person we were yesterday or these beliefs that we might believe, you know, hold on to, that that can be very um, disruptive. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Being able to be in time, you know, um, and uh, and also just to being able to be open to something deeper, uh, like uh, the ocean, like you talked about yesterday. But um, sometimes um, when I'm noticing, like anger, for example, which is a, an emotion that I have a, a lot of difficulty being comfortable with, mm. you know, um, and um, so I'd rather think about it or even, you know. Um, Express it in certain ways, then uh, just just be what she's talking about. 
So I was wondering if we could just talk very specifically about, well, you know, what would what would be that shifting to be able to be resting in that? Okay, good. So how about I just take the first sentence or the first two sentences of Joko and just shift the word. So life is a series of endless arisings of angers. She says endless disappointments. And it's wonderful just because it doesn't give us what we want. Anger doesn't give us what we want. However, instead of fighting and struggling with anger, the key is to rest willingly in it. Though this may sound forbidding. That's just exactly what she's saying, addressing that. Because... I would say often anger can is another facet of disappointment or some disappointment. That's a disappointments arise and they arise because we've, we're holding on to appointments or expectations or beliefs and somehow the universe manifesting right now doesn't fit that whether it's so-called inside me. It could even be angry at myself for feeling so lousy today. And last week I had all this energy and look at this, all of a sudden I can't move my legs the way I think I should. Something even as simple as that. Or anger at others. Because, and you fill in the because. This is exactly the realm of practice effort or exactly the realm where despite that it's, a, it's the whole of the true nature of the universe manifesting, including the anger. The anger is simply cause and effect. I'll talk about this maybe tomorrow in a different way. But yet this is where we're not okay with the anger or we want to act it out as opposed to allowing it to be one of the many cars that pass by on this road outside. That's exactly where we practice. So the key, she says, is to willingly rest, rest willingly in it. And it doesn't mean in some abstraction, but in the, this body, this universe that feels, that's tinted with or permeated by this anger. And that's what sometimes happens when we are angry it sort of permeates our whole body. It permeates what we perceive outside. It permeates how we hear others. Sometimes it's different forms, and each of us do it in our own way, and each time we do it, we do it in this particular way as a result of manifesting this particular being time. And that's exactly what we need to do, though it might sound, as she says, forbidding. And she says, those who endlessly practice with this as it arises are the ones who know joy. Not joy as something we're getting extra, but joy as what this all is. If I say joy as a synonym of being time, if I say joy as the ocean in which the waves of our life arise and pass. 
which is the waves are never separate from the ocean and the anger is never separate from the whole of this life. Never. Can't be. And yet it can be for us if we believe it and act on it in that way and make it into something to make that. I just, I told you, I was picking out a quote for each day and to add to whatever I'm going to talk about. And I just happened to pick this one. I can't even tell you where I got it from, from Joko. I just had a number of quotes and I pulled a few out at random and those are the ones I'm using. Then I have to connect it. (laughs) That's my (laughs) job. So, okay? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. We talked about this uh, Thursday about having being confronted and using that opportunity and pretty much saying embracing that uh, and using that is like almost like the first step by embracing it, looking at it. We we and, uh, in, in kind of looking at it and kind of just kind of using that and then then going from that Uh and then the next time looking at it again turning the picture around a little bit we could say it's the first step and we could say it's the last step and it's the always step because this keeps arising not all the time but from time to time until it doesn't arise and for most people there's always some appointments that when they're disappointed can lead that way for most of us for those who do, for whom it doesn't wonderful I remember once Joko said to me she said sometimes people tell me they're never angry she says, people who sit and tell me they're never angry, I know they're not really attentive to their sitting. They're not attentive to that practice, that anger never arises. You could say, I never act out my anger. Maybe, if that's, even if that's true. But if we don't, when we say there's greed, anger, and ignorance are the three poisons, it's not because we decide to be greedy or angry or deluded, but because this comes with the package called being human. And it arises according to circumstances and conditions. And how we buy into it, if we buy into it, what we do with it is something else. But it's a poison that poisons our life. And... When it arises, it's there our opportunity. So, we don't have to even create special conditions to find it. If we're attentive, we can discover ways and times that it arises. And if we're attentive and see that, then 
that's our wonderful opportunity in the midst of nothing special to do with body, with mind, in the midst of this perfection that's nothing but the always so there's something we can do to, if you want to use the word, improve, fix. The fixing what doesn't need fixing. Otherwise, we'll defile what can't be defiled. At least for us. Okay. Thank you.